Welcome to the internet. Live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah, this is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Dunstan, and these are my co-hosts... Kyle Holland and... Alex Fielder. This week we're talking with our good friend Todd and how he can increase ridership on transit lines and foster a more people-friendly urban form. Say hi, Todd. All this after the news. Yeah, and it's actually transit-oriented development, if that wasn't clear. Yeah, we don't have a friend named Todd. No. Not yet. And I have a friend named Todd. Do you actually? Yeah. I've well, never met a Todd. Work. <laughs> cool. Anyway. That's crazy. All this after the news. Trademarked. Again. This week, Metrolink, the L.A. area's regional rail service, has stated that limited weekend service will recommence on their Orange County line as far as San Clemente Pier. When the line will resume its full run to Oceanside is unknown, as the southern portion of the Orange County line runs along the Pacific coast and was recently disabled by a series of landslides triggered by heavy surf. This is the second time this year that the line has been disrupted by landslides and heavy surf, and occurred despite local efforts to prevent it. Ah, sounds like it needs snow sheds, but so, for landslides. So, <laughs> so if you look at a picture of the Jeez. line, right? Yeah. There are houses on the cliff, right, mm-hmm. where people live. Then there's a cliff. Then there's a rail line. Then there's a bunch of, like, piled up boulders. And then there's just the ocean. Why didn't they put the rail line on top of the cliff? Because there are people there. If you look at the area between, like, the L.A. metro and the San Diego metro, which is where, you know, this sort of runs to, because this is also where the Amtrak Surfliner runs. Um, that's the name. Ah, same uh, tracks. Same tracks. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, um, so if you look at it, it's just a bunch of mountains. <laughs> oh. Which are not historically known for being conducive to running So they train. just built it on the coast. They built it on the beach. View be damned. Uh, yeah. Jeez. So occasionally there's like a big storm or something and the tracks kind of just get washed into the Pacific Ocean. Maybe this wasn't the best idea. Well, and the thing is, these rocks are new <laughs> because like... <laughs> it kept getting washed away. People were like, oh, well, the tracks keep getting washed away by landslides triggered by the ocean. What if we put some rocks there to stop the ocean from coming up to the tracks and then it didn't work? What? <laughs> Mother Nature wins again. What? Why is it Darn just it. like on the, not what? in the ocean? Oh, money. I may, I'm rubbing my fingers together since you can't see this. Uh, are the people's houses slowly falling into the ocean as well? Probably. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. So once the houses are gone, we can put the rail on top. We can top put the train there. there. <laughs> well, that's assuming California does not fall into the ocean in the next 10 to 20 years. Well, if it falls into the ocean, we're going to need an elevated alignment. <laughs> Well, you see, the bad thing about California falling into the ocean as opposed to, like, New York is there are no tall buildings to hide out on top of. Aww. (laughs) Because everything is limited to, like, two stories and shorter in most (laughs) of California. So so San Francisco and, like, L.A. will be fine, but everyone else, sorry. But if California gets gobbled up, we get closer to the ocean. That's true. And then we just bring all the Amtrak service into Nevada. Yeah. I like it. That and works. The California residents because building they're dead. In they're in the ocean. Yeah, they're oh. in the, they're, this is this is not a very slow and predictable thing. Yeah, this, this is, is like very, it's like earthquake. <laughs> like a one weird movie. Yeah, this <laughs> the day after tomorrow. Yeah, this is this is yeah. God's wrath. God's wrath descending upon <laughs> the Sodom of the West, California. This is not um, liberals. Oh, yeah. No, this By is not. God. <laughs> Well, that, that's bound to come. So. Yeah. Uh, in slightly better news, WMATA has reopened six stations on the southern end of the blue and yellow lines after an eight-week shutdown for maintenance and track rehabilitation, as well as some track relocation. Service will resume on the blue line only, as the tunnel that carries the yellow line under the Potomac is still undergoing rehabilitation efforts. Because Washington Metro does this great thing where the yellow line interlines with the green line, then uninterlines from the green line, then re-interlines with the blue line near Reagan National Airport. Sounds great for service reliability. It is not. <laughs> but, you know, if that's what it takes to get a second tunnel under the Potomac, I will take it. Cool. Yeah. Good news. WMATA. WMATA. Oh, and also the silver line's open in, like, 
one week, so that's exciting. Or the Silver Line extension to Dulles is open in one week, so that's nice. Hey. Sweet. Yeah. So how many miles of tunnel does Lamana have? A lot. Cool. This has I been mean, the news. I mean, of the <laughs> post-war metros, it is A, the most metro-y, and B, the most tunnel-y, probably. I figured, because if you look at a map, it just shows, like, under, like, literally whatever it feels like. Yeah, well, and a lot of it's in the middle of a freeway, too, so... Oh, okay. <laughs> this has been Les Affaires, the news, to appease our Montrealan subscriber. <laughs> Singular. Uh. So... The eternal question, what oh, is Todd? <laughs> Who is Todd? Who is Todd? Who's what is Todd? Todd? Why is Todd? How is Todd? Are we, are we doing another unironic dictionary thing? No. This isn't from the dictionary. This is from the Institute for Transportation and Development Policy, our friends from BRT episode many years ago. Oh, that one. Um... According to them, transit-oriented developments are, quote, integrated urban places designed to bring people, activities, buildings, and public space together with easy walking and cycling connection between them and nearby excellent transit service to the rest of the city, end quote. That's okay. a long middle name. <laughs> I know, right? Jeez. <laughs> okay, so things are close together and they've got, like, great mobility for all the different things. Yes, it's like... So, so let's say you build... A 15-mile light rail line. Like many right? cities like doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then on one end is the city center. Understandable. And on the other end is dirt. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. as one does. Yeah. Okay, so at each of these stations... You put a parking lot. No. So people can park and At ride. each of these stations within a half-mile radius, you build a little city where everybody can get, like, most of their daily stuff. Ooh, instead of what? spreading all the city things along a strode? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. And then you make these places, like, pretty high density, too, and they got, you know, like, grocery stores and libraries and schools and restaurants, etc. Huh. This, this sounds incredibly profitable. Yeah. The property um, tax alone, not to mention the sales tax, which UTA, for example, is funded directly off of. Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing. Um, as you say that incredibly profitable thing that you mentioned. Um, sales tax, property tax. Well, well. You name it. But, but it doesn't even have to be, right? Because how, how did transit-oriented development come to exist? Because we wanted more people to ride transit. Wrong. You see, back in the 1800s, there were these guys who were really into building interurban and streetcar lines called oh, streetcar tycoons. And mm. they owned the land around the stations. Right. And so that's actually, like, how they made their money. Because, like, nobody's really ever made a profit actually operating a transit service because... You have to make it cheap for it to be accessible to people. And it also has high operating costs. But what is profitable is land development. And you know what's a really great amenity back in the 1800s? Saloons. Being able to get downtown <laughs> very quickly to that work your That is very like, true. I don't know, filth-mucking job or whatever people did back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like, modern TOD is just like that, except instead of a private streetcar tycoon owning the rails and the lands, it's the, the city or the county or the state or whatever. Right, and then you just give the land to private develop. You sell the land to private developers. In exchange making, for money. In exchange for money, which you can, you know, stick back into transit if you want to. And then they build stuff and make money. Yeah, hmm. so they make money. And then they send some of the money back to you in the form of taxes. Yes. Sounds like good feedback loop. Yes, it is a good yeah. feedback loop. And so, it's like an infinite money machine. Right. <laughs> Glitch right. unlocked. And then I should mention, as a form of like credit, the actual term, quote, transit-oriented development, unquote, comes from Peter Calthorpe's book, The Next American Metropolis, which was an influential urbanist text of the 1990s. So cool. thanks, Peter Calthorpe for inventing the term <laughs> transit-oriented development. For bringing us our good friend Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Peter, for bringing us Todd. Um, right. Well, this, this whole Todd guy sounds uh, pretty helpful. 
It is very helpful. Uh, Todd has many benefits, actually. So first and foremost, and, you know, as like, I mean, I'm theoretically going to be like a transit person someday who runs a transit agency. So we're going to take that perspective. So I'm going to I'm going to talk from this perspective first. So what drives ridership of a system? Like Um, what what do you need to get on a system? Transit being a competitive option to get me where I need to go. Yeah. You need to put people in the train. Intriguing <laughs> concepts, really. And so, and so, given that people will walk approximately one half mile on average to access a train, this the is true. more people I can put inside of that half mile radius from my train station, the more people get on my train. Ooh. Mm. And then the more, the more, more people ride the train, and then you can run more train. Right. And then also, if I have a bunch of amenities in close proximity to my train... Ooh, and then people also ride back on the train from other places to use the amenities. Right. And they so just kind of go all over. I get more people on my train, which is good because, once again, I am the train man. <laughs> and you, you would like more train to be happening. Yes. This sounds like how England, uh, like, hamlets were formed. It is, yeah. 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 Like, all those London suburbs that you see are just big Todd. (laughs) Big Todd. Big Todd. Huge Todd. Yeah. Huge Todd. (laughs) So, um, some studies uh, have stated that people living in transit-oriented developments are nearly four times as likely to commute or travel via public transportation than people living in other nearby areas. That makes makes an enormous (laughs) amount of sense. Right. So, in Salt Lake metropolitan area, we have, like, 2% 2% of people that commute via public transportation on average, right? So let's say that we had a good transit-oriented development, which we don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, outside of Salt Lake City. Anyway, <laughs> let's say we had a good one. Then 8% of people from there might commute via public transportation, which is a lot more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, mode share go burr. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if you can walk five or even ten minutes, like we used to do up at the dorms, over to... Okay, well, I don't walk as fast as you do. (laughs) (laughs) Over, and I also live farther away. That's Um, true. Over to the train station, instead of having to take some silly local connection that adds time onto your trip, so much more convenient. The slime. The slime. Yeah. We do have to take the slime as our silly local connection. Yeah, no, the local connection just... (laughs) adds time and hampers frequency to using the transit system and just makes things worse. Whereas if you can live, like, in the station or under the station or maybe, like, on the roof of one of the shelters, (laughs) (laughs) ultimate convenience. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. Um. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's not too complicated. Uh, Second good thing that Todd does, uh, it increases the amount of housing and affordable housing available. Interesting. You build more housing, then you have more housing? <laughs> Did not see that one coming. Know. Thank what you, Connor. What a concept. Um, as well as significantly increasing density, which we know is good. Interesting. If you build dense housing, then the density increases? <laughs> yes, Kyle. This Jeez. sounds like communist. Well, I mean... Look, I'm generally not a big fan of communist societies. However, they did know how to make a Todd. They did. Mm. A house for every person. Yes. Um, Stacked on top of each other. A Todd for every man. Yeah, commie blocks are good, actually, and that's the only good thing that was ever came out of communism. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And this has a spillover effect because, let's say, to fit a million people, you have ten land. Okay. Okay. So you can either put 100,000 people per land and have no land left over, Ooh. or you can put 150, or like, I don't know, 200,000 people per land, and you have five land left over to use for, like, whatever you want farm, open space, etc. What if we do a million in one land? Then you get uh, Tokyo, which. <laughs> I have no problem with, to be honest okay. with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm good with extra land. Mm-hmm. I prefer that over no, no, no extra land. land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, as far as densification strategies go, this is a pretty straightforward and non-controversial one. Like, take tracks, for example. It runs down the valley's north-south commercial corridor, so pretty much 
all of the land around these stations, except for the southernmost ones, is zoned commercial. It's really easy to build big things here without people getting mad at you because it was already zoned for big things. So you can just do it. And it's also easier than building in downtown where there's just less space and land costs more. A lot more. A lot more. So supply and demand is a thing. Intriguing concept. <laughs> Interesting. So instead of focusing all your densified, not even like crazy dense, just more dense development around your downtown core, you can now have a bunch of mini cores along your rapid transit system. A multipolar city is, I believe, what the term is in urban planning. Hmm. The Salt Lake City itself is pretty much a single pole because it's not that big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although you could say Sandy is sort of becoming a second pole just because of the... Anyway, that is completely <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so I was going to blather on about this for a sec because in my hometown of Boy C, I Boys. know... Silence. Boise. 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 It's not by the ocean. No. Boise. Boise. Anyway, it's not Boise. It's not Boise or Boise. 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 Le Boise. No, it's Boise. Anyway, um, if you say Boise, like in Boise, you'll get mugged. Just Boise. Saying. Okay, how do you say it? Boise. 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 So, see a boy. Yeah. Boise. 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 Okay, I can, I can work with that. Yeah. So, anyway, um, in my hometown of Boise, right, like, population go boom. Um, mm. Big it, time. Th- like, this, that this happens. <laughs> in the last, like, two decades, the population has literally doubled, and it's going to go up to, like, two million by, like, the time I'm dead, and there are currently less than a million people living there. Um, cool. And the great thing about this is we are traditionally a very agricultural area, right? Like, you drive in any direction from any of the cities in and the Treasure Valley. And there's just farms. And there are farms, right? And that's good because yeah. farming is good, actually, and you food is important. You do need food, yes. What? Uh, but the trouble is our development pattern kind of just like... Okay, so you've all seen a competitive eater, right? Like... Our development pattern does that, but with land, just like... Okay. And so, like... Drink water, eat square mile. Drink water, eat square mile. I am not kidding when I say this, that, like, a third of the farmland in the valley has already been, like, consumed by... Low-density Meridian just exploding in low-density development and Nampa exploding in low-density development. And it's not good. And so... I think it would be very beneficial if we were to, say, utilize the unused freight corridor that we have running down the middle of the valley to build a light rail line and then use a lot of the greenfield land that still exists next to it to build just a crap ton of dense walkable areas so that we don't have to build a whole bunch more sprawl and destroy our farmland. So you can house a lot more people Hmm. in a lot less space. So we should get farmers to all band together and be like, we're not, don't sell, don't sell. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if I was going to go back to Boise and do transit advocacy, which I sometimes think about doing, that is what I would do. I'd be like, look what we are doing to our farmland, to our, quote, traditional values, unquote. That's perfect. <laughs> like, I, I like that angle. We of are a farming community. We have historically been, you know, these cute, walkable small towns with farming. We're going uh, R-E-T-V-R-N, etc. <laughs> Back to farming, or continue farming, yeah. which we're, we're gonna doing. We're going to build this light rail line. We're going to build these high-density developments. We're going to sacrifice this amount of farmland, but it's going to be worth it because we're going to save X amount of farmland, which is good for our economy, good for our values, and good for our farmers. Gosh darn it, we're Idahoans. See, that sounds perfect. Every part of that plan sounds beneficial to everyone involved. Yeah. The farmers, the municipalities, well, and the people I mean, living there. And I mean, that's not to mention that by the time that we get to 2050, uh, the average commute time from Caldwell to Boise is going to be like an hour and a half. Uh, and I can yeah. make a light rail line that does that in like 40 minutes without too much trouble. <laughs> and that's just basic light rail. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how we said that public transit or sorry, mass transit gets better the more people you throw at it? You know what does the opposite of that? Uh, our singular freeway that we have. In, yeah. In, in Boise. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
three lanes from Caldwell all the way to Boise, and they're all clogged up every morning. <laughs> Wonderful. If only we could put train there and move pe- pe- more people in less space minus congestion. Concept. See, I, I wish we could go back in time and do do the farm thing here. In, yeah, because in yeah. the valley. Because that's used the to thing. Be like yeah. Salt Lake like City was like yeah. <laughs> nothing. Salt Lake County is the Boise metropolitan area in 20 years. Yeah. And so we're going to gobble up all of our farmland for these just, you know, massive lot single family homes. Like Sea Salt Lake, the valley is already all housing and, it's and just maybe some like dead space up against it up. It's the most of Salt Lake County is a profoundly unpleasant place. Yes. And that's unhealthy and I, for the cities, unhealthy for the people who live there, unhealthy for the people who go there. Bad for farmers that don't have uh, farm Yeah, because anymore. there's no more farm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, I think about that a lot, and that's a really big aside that I had. But, you know, that's that's a good example of what this sort of development could do in just saving farmland, saving green space, saving, you know, nature in general. Yeah. So would um would Todd work best with um what whatever Portland did? What's it called? The on. the boundary they have. Oh, urban growth oh, boundary. Oh, urban yeah. growth boundary. Would, would Todd benefit a lot from an urban growth boundary or no? Probably yes, because when you establish an urban growth boundary, you're saying we're not going to build anything outside of this. So it sort of requires you to build more density. Mm-hmm. So sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> You put two different (laughs) densification strategies together, and then you can just push the market forces to work for you. Yeah, and we're going to have to do an episode on UGBs someday because they are certainly a controversial topic because there's a lot of argument to be made that they significantly decrease affordability, but that is also a product of zoning. So, you know. So urban growth boundaries and how to do them right sort of deal. I'd probably just title the episode Urban Growth Boundaries because Mm, verbose titles are not necessarily good. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so that's that's my Boise aside. Uh, We have covered what good TOD does for society at large and just general livability. Now let's talk about what it can do for you personally. That is correct. So the average American family, right, we have two cars. Mm -hmm. On average. On average. And... On average, according to the American Automobiles Association, AAA, very famous, uh, a car costs $10,000. So the average family theoretically spends $20,000 a year on cars, on transportation. That is a lot of a single income. Right, given that like the median U.S. like household income is like $80,000. That's, that's literally one-fourth. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Yeah, no, that's cars are expensive. Cars are very expensive. Yeah. And um, before you add us that that that's the average, if you bought your own car in the 90s and you've been fixing it yourself ever since, good for you. But yeah, that's the average. It's an average according to the government and according to AAA. We are not, like, trying to say that. To please do not go in the comments and be like, I have a 2003 Honda Civic and it cost me $4 and a pack of gum to run every year. Yes, I know. I've had one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> good for you. And thank you for driving a good car. Um, so, <laughs> so anyways, yeah. what can TODs do about that twenty grand a year number? So a study that I looked at says that even if they are like still driving, right, families living in TODs, households living in TODs, save on average, again, on average, three to four thousand dollars in car costs every year. So they save three to four thousand dollars so out of twenty grand. Sixteen thousand dollars. That's a fifth. Yeah, you saved a fifth, and that and that's just the average. Obviously, like you personally, if you want to go full bore, buy an electric car, go bike, and ditch all your cars, you can save even more. Right, because this because sort of the infrastructure will be there to support that choice. Yes. So is this because you don't need as many cars because you can ride the train certain Precisely. places? Right, because there are just in aggregate less cars in TODs. Because so you don't in need aggregate, as many. People are spending less money on cars. So that it's a best place to live, then. Yeah. Yes. You, you can take the not just bikes. You don't need a car if you don't need it to commute to work, sort of sort of perspective when you're working out these numbers. Right. Like, if one pe- person in your household now commutes downtown via train, which or is going to be very convenient, else via transit. or whatever other place in your multipolar city or city with jobs in multiple places, <laughs> God bless, 
Okay, <laughs> as long as they all have a train serving them, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if one person in your household commutes by train, then that could potentially be one fewer car that you have to pay for. Right. And then you're saving five to ten grand a year. Right. So uh, it's it's a big money saving. And like yeah. given that, you know, in, in urban areas where people have to live because jobs and amenities are in urban areas, people have to live in there, but also they get more expensive because we have bad land use, mm-hmm. that can be a big deal. $4,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, imagine what you could do if somebody just gave you four grand a uh, year. <laughs> somebody gave me four grand a year, I could pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have to... Anyway. Or our... <laughs> think about that a lot. Or our imaginary nuclear family or whatever here could use it to pay for their kids' college. Right, like, Gary, this, this $4,000 we've saved on our car goes into the college fund. Yeah. yeah. Then we get smarter people and less cars. Yeah. Yeah. So big deal. And this is just um, car costs alone. We haven't even factored in that these denser developments are designed to increase housing affordability and increase access to all sorts of amenities. This is correct. So many more benefits to be had. Yes. Uh, So another benefit, um, and this is another society benefit, uh, radically changes mode share in other ways, not just for commuting. So, like, I'd say that's a personal benefit too. Like, I like a pleasant walk. Sure. Um, so, in Daybreak, which is a rather unfortunate transit-oriented development near us, which is a development that is more transit-oriented than other developments, than other suburban <laughs> developments. That is a great way of putting it. Um, it's transit-oriented in that there is a denser housing and a train line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in other ways. Not so much, but... They did some things right. They did one thing especially right. So, in the average, like, American suburban community, like, seven, like somewhere between 10 and 20% of kids walking back to school. That is alarmingly low. Right. Mm-hmm. In daybreak, 83%. Brilliant. Good. That is... Fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. And whoever planned out, like, the school placement there and the school walking routes should get, like, a hearty salute from all urbanists. Like, because everything else about Daybreak a little questionable, but that worked. Yeah. yeah. And you can do even better. The you can get 100% of kids walking to school if you yeah. really wanted to. Very close. Yeah, very yeah. close. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, then also, even in Daybreak, there are limited local amenities that you can walk and bike to. This is true. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a new library that they've built out there. There's a a hospital. They have Daybreak Town Center, or whatever it's called, which is, like, four restaurants. And so you can walk to those, and that does reduce VMT. I think despite Daybreak's failings in, like, just overall density and, like, um, solving the the root cause of our density problems, which is single-family detached houses um, and cars, they've done a good job at showing how you can create kind of this, like, secondary or tertiary urban center where you've got, like, a bunch of amenities in one place that people can get to from around using a variety of modes of transportation, and you have your rail connection. Yes. So you've got, like, your centered amenities instead of, oh, uh, go drive 15 minutes and... To the strip mall, then 15 minutes to the other strip mall, then 20 minutes to the mall, and then, then go three down minutes the to Walmart, then five <laughs> minutes back to your house. Yeah, so instead of just smearing amenities off all wherever and doing some completely atrocious parking lots and making everything more dangerous, they've shown that, it, that this development model is right. perfectly and possible. you can do, if not really better, you can do a bit better. Do a lot better because the more people you put in one place, the more amenities you can have. Well, yes, but Daybreak's just not putting amenities. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> so, <laughs> because they're still feeding off of all the like surrounding strip malls and car amenities where people are driving. Yeah, anyway. So, and then, um, yeah, so you know, no matter how like iffy your TOD is, it's gonna be better it's than better. nothing, it's gonna be better than just doing more copy paste suburbs, right. And so then we get to the last society benefit, which is environment. Wow. Less driving, less density, (laughs) or more density, you get less CO2, and you take up less greenfield, as we discussed, which is good. 
Yep. Uh, li- living in Salt Lake City metropolitan Salt area. Salt Lake City. Yeah, living living in the Salt Lake Valley, um, I I would like to be able to breathe the air. <laughs> and when funny. I go up on the mountains to go skiing, I'd like to look down and see the city and not just like a pollution. That yeah. is very funny. Yeah, <sighs> you're not alone. Hi, hilarious. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And other places that get like flooding and stuff. Guess what? Having undeveloped land that's covered in plants is really is good. To, good is really good to yeah. mitigate or prevent that yeah. because it just eats water. Okay, so how does one give birth to a Todd? <laughs> how does one make a Todd? Given that Todd is a generally good idea, let's discuss some key elements of Todd design. First one, and most certainly the most obvious, is walkability. Really? Yes. Interesting. Walking. I was going to drive uh, for the two minutes to the transit station. Yeah, I figured. Parking ride? Uh, walking should be safe and prioritized, and everyone living in a transit-oriented development should be within walking distance of amenities, as in grocery stores, restaurants, civic and health services, and schools, as well as assorted other things, as well as the transit stop the community is centered on. Agreement? I agree. Agree. Yes. Being able to walk to things is good. Because the ideal Todd, right, is like, let's say I have this brand new valley that's been discovered, you know, somewhere. Not that somebody much. somebody somehow missed like for thousands of years. It's like this pristine valley mm-hmm. and we want to live there, right? Yeah. It, it's the place. Can you say <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is okay. the place. It is the place, right. Okay. So I put. I decide. Okay, I'm gonna put like a big job center on one end. I'm gonna keep as much greenfield as possible. I'm gonna build a single train line, and then around every station, I'm this little like village cluster. The idea is that every transit-oriented development is like a little town. It has all of the amenities, and it has access to green space. If you've ever had the experience of a living in city, obviously where you can just like walk to literally whatever. Or be living in like a real life small town with like, where you can literally walk to whatever. Yeah, if you if you've ever had like those life experiences, this try is, try and think about it in those terms. This is something that like people living in urban environments can sort of implicitly understand, and that people in small towns can sort of implicitly understand. Because it's something they've experienced. Yes, that, having that such easy access. Unfortunately. <laughs> The majority of the American population lives in the suburbs, and so this is very difficult for them to understand. Suburbs! <laughs> Boo, hiss. Suburbs! Boo! Boo. Woo! <laughs> so, so we're trying to give a lot more people that easy access to amenities, that those sort of benefits you get living in small towns or big cities. Well, and I mean, there's health benefits, too. Uh, really, like, walking like is that walking good? Health? Walking is good for you. Biking is good for you. Like... But I gotta as, keep below as, my ten thousand step limit. As <laughs> as Orange Bicycle Man from the internet once said, I don't exercise. My city does it for me. What? How am I not Orange Bicycle Man? Hence you are orange, orange Bicycle. bicycle. <laughs> You're not internet Orange Bicycle yeah. Man. Yeah, I'm IOL. Yeah, if you you should you should get a Twitter and your tag should be Orange Bicycle Man. <laughs> That's actually not a terrible idea. Um, Okay, so what things are good for walkability? Safe streets, good sidewalks, including raised crosswalks and buffers between car traffic and pedestrians. Keep roads and streets small and slow. This one alone would, like, solve, like, uh, more than half of the problem. Because you want to be able to walk without feeling like you're about to die. Yes. Yeah. Um, You should also not have large blocks or large buildings. Like, you want... It should be on a more human scale. I hate that term, but yes, it should be approachable. Like, you shouldn't feel like like there's Uh, just this wall of apartment in front of you. There should be multiple buildings. They should be, you know, architecturally unique and interesting, and they should also have ways to get between them and behind them, and Mm -hmm. there should be stuff on all sides of them. You got to make, like, a complex and interesting environment instead of just a whole bunch of, like, squares. Make, Uh Make an adult playground. Right. Sure. And there's a lot of different ways to go about it. playground with coffee shops. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of ways to go about doing this. The classic one is just to uh, make small streets that are close together and however you want. Put things on them. You can also take the Salt Lake City approach and do the big honking city blocks with, like, the the little things in the middle where you can walk. Like Gallup and Plaza. You're talking about... um, Super blocks. Super blocks. You're talking about Barcelona because that is... 
Salt Lake City could effectively do super block with the blocks we already have. Like, <laughs> like Gallivan Plaza or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, the idea is you can have, like, car streets, but there should be lots of spaces that are for pedestrians and cyclists only. Mm-hmm. Which, as someone who greatly enjoys going around on the University of Utah campus, which is like that in a lot of ways. Except for I, giant parking lots. Okay, except for those. <laughs> uh, I support this idea. Mm. So a lot of different ways to do it. Just, like, have lots of places for people to walk and bike. Yes. Um, good lighting at night. Yes. Mm. Another thing the university campus does really well. Yeah. Everything is lit. And this Just period. is this is very much an accessibility thing, especially for women. Uh-huh. Because walking at night can unfortunately be dangerous for some people. And a way to make it safer is to A, get more people walking at night, and B, have people be able to see each other. So, you know. Pretty useful. Yeah. And I mean, even if it doesn't actually increase safety, it increases the perception of safety, which is good as well. Which pretty much increases safety. Yes. <laughs> yeah, actually. Right. Um, okay, yeah, and then going back to my, my point about, like, interesting and diverse architecture, this is my, like, fourth biggest gripe with American transit-oriented development. We just build five-over-ones. Yeah, quit with the bloody five-over-one, like, quote-unquote, architecture. The dumbest, like, corporate-looking crap and it makes everything feel fake and manufactured. Because it is. Because it is. It's a, <laughs> it's a fake building. It's just Because it's you're just forcing everything to be built the same way. Yeah. You want a diversity of building types and styles and architecture and materials so that places feel, A, like they're real, because they are, and B, are not, like, weird and oppressive to look at. I think this is a big part of the charm of Yoldi Main Street, is you get a hodgepodge of, like matching but different buildings like all right up up against each other and all right up against the street like if you were to build that greenfield in like a planned community sort of way um it would it would just not have the same vibe it would just be like drab exactly the same weird postmodern thing that nobody really likes and i mean eventually it will probably gain character but like that maybe start with something maybe start with something (laughs) like start with some bricks Start with, like, a column. I love bricks. Brick building, oh. wood building, five over one. Brick building, wood building, five over one. Just switch it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And don't be afraid to build out of real bricks instead of using prefab Structural brick Structural brick is the material of the gods. <laughs> I agree. It's not great in earthquakes, though, is it? It can be if you want it to. Okay. If you do it, good. <laughs> I can get behind that. Modern modern technology is good. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Bricks are good. Um, the antithesis of visually interesting is, like, the, the strip malls that are just clad in stucco in, like, beige <sighs> and white. And this stucco. is why I hate five-over ones, because they always just have the same gray stucco with, like, two architectural details and <laughs> that are a different color. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. And it's bad. Hey, sometimes they'll use, like, some sort of, like, prefab cladding thing that looks We put a, a five-foot strip of aluminum siding on top of our stucco for architectural interest. Like, I'm, really? I'm afraid that's what they're going to do to my old high school. They're going to uh, rebuild it. But worse. Um, what, did you go to, which one did you go uh, to? Highland. They're, oh, they're redoing Highland? Yeah. I thought yeah. They, oh, they're redoing West and Highland, apparently. Um, well, I think they're going to pick one of the two. And hopefully it would be West. Yeah. Um, West is a lot more... Because that's long overdue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I know they're looking into doing Highland, but that used to be such a nice building. Yes. I, I could talk at length. I have a whole like Instagram we account. To, we're going to have to talk about urbanism schools yeah. some, and schools someday and how to make good urbanist schools. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, gosh, darn, I have to put that on the episode list now. Okay, <laughs> another thing that is neglected often, places to rest. We call this broadly street furniture. And also plazas. Oh, yeah, also good plazas, plazas are really good. plazas good. are important. Like, not the crappy corporate plazas you get downtowns. <laughs> I mean, like, um, what's the best plaza? Pioneer Square in Portland. Probably the best urban plaza in North America at this time because it organically attracts people by being a good place to sit and chill, a good place to walk through. It's next to every Max and Streetcar line. Okay. <laughs> so, so a plaza shouldn't be like an event space you shove off in a corner. 
It's not. Should be like a central public it's, space. Yeah, it's a place. So <laughs> places. Times Square. Morning fair. Places to chill, and also things about places to chill and sit. They activate the street, right? Yes, they do. Because, because there's like, people on the street. Right. Because you don't want everyone just like walking into the building and then just doing everything in there. You want like life to explode onto the street outside. Like, yeah. To make <laughs> to make a whole like place. Yeah. And that uh, that's infinitely healthier than just like hiding in like the one building than going home will ever be. Right. So what what makes these areas better than others? Is it chairs mostly? Yeah. yeah. Notice that corporate plazas have like a single tree planter and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Good plazas have a lot of foliage. They have like stairs. Detail. Okay. Look up so, Pioneer Square real quick. So I mean, like you can look at like furniture yeah. and like. Um, Furniture. Like, like chess tables. Chess and tables. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Yeah. Trees, like fountains, Arch little like ways. weird stair pyramid deals that you can sit on. Like all sorts of what, stuff. What I imagine is like the Peace Gardens we have in Salt Lake. Kind of like that, actually. Except yes. a bit Except more. And central, a bit more centrally located. Yeah. But just in like design. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. Not Pi- it's not Pioneer Square. It's Courthouse Square. I can't even remember anything because I don't live Nerd. there. Okay, yeah, it's called the. It's nicknamed Portland's Living Room. Okay, you know, Connor, there's, there's a street square next to our courthouse station. And look at that. Be our courthouse like, oh, square. I've been it's, there many times. It's interesting. It's okay. got like stores all around it on su- surrounding streets. There's max lines on either side. There's lots of stairs. There's space for events. There's seating. Mm-hmm. So it's like, a good place. I feel like we're just harping about harping on about placemaking again because that's exactly what we're doing. Well, it is, but like this is a specific type of place. This making. is true. There's one park I've been to in New York that Man, I like it more than that. But what a, I what also love the yeah. pavers. Yes, pavers. Concrete bad. Concrete should be banned forever, and we do well-maintained pavers only because they feel more inviting to walk on. It's not just a gray expanse. They also look more inviting. They're also better for drainage because they have drainage at all. Yes, yes. So, good example bad example of an urban plaza. Oh boy. Is it? Are we crapping on Galvin? We are crapping on Galvin because it sucks and there's a reason no one's ever there except when the ice skating rink is open. Okay, what specific things are we... uh, Sorry, how are we constructively criticizing Galvin (laughs) Plaza? Oh wait, you don't work there. What are we crapping on? We can crap on it all we like. Oh yeah, they have the weird grass amphitheater thing. It's just, there's nothing. It's just an empty flat space, like yeah. Okay, where, where is the ice rink? Because I've always it's heard right about there. it. It's, it's, it's a weird little deal. Yeah. Wait, it's outdoors? Yeah. Kay. Oh, I didn't know. I've that. never been there. Okay, maybe that should Do be you live in wrong, Salt Lake yes. City? <laughs> okay, well, I've been to Gallon okay, of can Plaza. I pull up the, sure, go for it. The, I, I dream about this, uh, this park. Where? If I can find it. Yes. Bryant Park. Yes. Bryant Park yes. is cool. You want Street View? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I love this now. park so much. Oh, we can go into the park. Yeah, it's New York. Yeah, yeah. Chairs. Mm-hmm. Chairs. Trees. Open space. Good. Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> There's a stage over there, too. So, like, yeah. Places to linger are so important. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then going off that green space parks, you need places for kids because you want kids to live here also. You don't just want this to be a place for working professionals of a younger age. You want families. You want all sorts of people. So So instead of building a bunch of studio one bedroom and two bedroom five over ones with no other amenities next to a transit station, we should make something that's friendly to people of all walks of life. We'd build public areas for all of the public? Mm Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. Very good. And then Another thing, key part of walkability, avoid asphalt deserts. Less than 10 to 15% of the area within a TOD should be dedicated to the movement and storage of private automobiles. Fair enough. <laughs> Whereas, like, the average suburb is, like, 30 to 40. <laughs> and yep. Salt Lake yeah. City is, like, 33. So, Average Strode is, like, 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 the asphalt desert. Another thing I like about the university because despite having lots of well-connected and very high-capacity walkways to handle the entire student population moving across campus in the, in the span of 15 minutes, so that high capacity, despite that, it's still mostly just green space. Yep. 
and there's like strategic event plazas, but it's mostly green space. Meanwhile, average Strode is like completely paved because cars are just that space inefficient. So there are some green spaces that could be better, yeah. but at least they're not concrete. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Especially the fact that they keep letting weeds grow in all the grass. I like that. That's fine. Weeds are bad. But they grow. All of the grass by the business building bothers me. Um, I would love to see trees. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Maybe some non-grass ground cover, too. Yes. Maybe some native vegetation. (laughs) Uh, That could. No, (laughs) Kentucky bluegrass all the way, baby. Um, Okay, so that's the first aspect of an important TOD is that walkability is just the most important thing. It It has to be a place. It has to have amenities, and you have to be able to walk there. Not only be able to, but you want to want to walk there. And you want to wonder. You want to meet your friend in the park. Right. Yeah. Uh, Another thing, cycleability. Bicycles should be an essential feature with safe infrastructure for biking where necessary and plenty of facilities for storage everywhere. Yep. Yep. That it's not very complicated. That's severely lacking, isn't it? Especially in the suburbs. Yep. Mm. Because it turns out having a personal vehicle is still quite useful in a lot of situations. But having a small one that's good for the environment and doesn't murder people is very good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Hybrid. (laughs) I'm fine with hybrids. Uh, And then compact. Like we said, like you want to do like a half mile or a little more from the center to the edge. Like you want like a mile diameter and that's it. Because you want everybody to be able to walk. You want that half mile walk shed from the transit station. Yes. Because that is the magic number for how far people will walk. Yes. Um... And this is where a lot of Daybreak's failures are, is that it's just freaking huge. And also, you know, you can fix that, right? There's a way to fix that, and its name is yeah. local service. Oh, like mm. a, a circulator bus like a or bus. two? Probably just one. Like a bus route or two, right? Yeah. They don't have that. So... Like we were saying earlier, Connor, you and I take a local connection to our rail station because we are more than the magic half mile away. So the connection makes that easier and faster. That connection exists for us. That does not exist for Daybreak. Right. Um, and then mixed use, that kind of goes into what we were talking about before, but you need a variety of uses. Office, house, store, restaurant, uh, light, very light industrial, etc. This, like, is, this is essential for walkability. Because you have to put things next to other things so that people can walk between them because they're close. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's some things that you really need to have for a TOD. You need, need a grocery store. Yes. You need restaurants and you need schools. Yes. And public spaces. Everything else is kind of negotiable, but you need those things to make a successful walkable area. The fact that there's food deserts at all is unbelievable. Disgraceful. Right. And, like, the fact is... Most American TODs, they just aren't putting a grocery store in there. They're just you like, oh, well, you're gonna store. you're gonna drive to the grocery store. No, grocery store number one priority. Even if you have to plop down a parking lot somewhere to appease the grocery store, you could even put one under the grocery store. A grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's Gotta not even negotiable, is no. it? No. Yeah. Jeez. And because then, where are you going to be going like frequently and bringing back lots of stuff? It's almost like food is one of the main three things you need to live. That you leave the house for. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, Jobs should also be abundant so that people can live near where they work, because that's nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Obviously not everybody's going to live near where they work. Lots of people aren't. That's what the train's for. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because in my hypothetical city with ten stations and a center city, there's jobs at all the places, but everybody takes a train between all the ten stations and that's where everything is. Is this like the weird like Dubai or whatever linear city? The line! The line! (laughs) We're going to have to talk about the line! Oh my goodness. (laughs) No, in real life there's like a connected all over the place network of rail service. Yes. The line. But Um, it's nice to have some jobs nearby because some people like that. Yes, it is. And then another big mama one Transit access. Really? I, is that why it says transit in the name? Or Todd. The T for Todd. The T in Todd is transit-oriented yeah. development, <laughs> yeah. So TODs must have access to high-quality rapid transit. Which means rail. Yes, not necessarily. Pretty Sh- much period be. means rail. Counterpoint, busway. 
Maybe, but it should probably just be rail. <laughs> probably. Especially at the sort of capacity we're talking here. <laughs> right, because we're building like, you know, four four mini cities with 50,000 people in them. You need a lot of capacity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you, yeah. As well as, and this is where like every American TOD fails because what Americans love to do, like, right, like we build this nice little TOD in the furthest extent of our transit system, of yeah. like the last station on the X whatever line. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Because <laughs> they all end with X for some reason. Um, Express. Tracks, max, backs, backs. Express. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, the point is you stick the little thing on the end and then that's the only transit service it has. Mm. Yeah, not, not good. You need to, as well as getting to the city center and other places along the line, be able to get to the areas immediately around you using transit because fun fact you can't put every amenity in your local area and sometimes you need to leave your local area sometimes you need to get to the big boy hospital yes or home depot for example (laughs) i'll go to lowe's instead Uh, i'm a lowe's guy go to your favorite well our lowe's is a bike rack and our home depot is a really crap based barely a bike rack uh lowe's is based i guess Um, (laughs) more so than the competition Yeah. yeah Uh, you have yeah. to go, so you need, as well as having, you know, that fast rapid transit link to job centers, mm-hmm. you need to be able to get to the area around you. This is also another good case for doing infill development, because if you build your shiny new TOD. Todd. Yeah, if you, if you build your <laughs> shiny new Todd in, in closer to where all the other things already are and where the transit service is more developed and where the urban form exists marginally, then you can just, like use the existing 15-minute east-west bus, in our case, around here or whatever, instead of trying to build out new service. Because if you just pop down this TOD, sure, everybody might take the the thing to work. But then when they get home, they're going to get in their their car and drive to Home Depot Mm -hmm. or drive to etc. So you have to enable people to not drive. This mm-hmm. is the problem with the the one in Sandy at like Sandy Civic what, or whatever that's got loads of housing right by the train station. The local service kind of sucks. Yeah, especially it's, now that the 201's getting... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially because there's so much commercial in that general area. It's just strody car-oriented commercial yeah. with no bikeability, barely any walkability, and not well, a good local service. And Daybreak is on Daybreak Parkway, 123rd South, <laughs> which has a lot of services, but you can't get to them from Daybreak because there is no bus. <laughs> and biking on that is something you only do exactly once. Yeah. And, and then you die. won't be able to bike anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I've walked the entire length of 123rd. It sure has things on it. Yeah, it has a lot of stuff on it, and it would be really great if you could access those things. Yeah. <laughs> so... In conclusion, Todd Good, stop making bad ones. The rules are very, <laughs> the rules are very simple, and we always screw them up. You need a grocery store, you need walkability, you need amenities, and you need dense housing. And then Americans are just like, we're gonna plop down four five-over ones next to the transit station, and that's a TOD. No. Another thing that's really hampering the effectiveness of TODs in North America is our refusal to build anything taller than five stories. Oh, yeah. Because the great thing about density is that it scales. Like it just keeps in, going In up. Toronto, if you go next... I said, do you hear the Canadian accent that came yeah, out at the end of that? Yeah. I hate that. I always say Did Toronto. Did you not have control over that? I don't. I always <laughs> just say Toronto <laughs> like that. Um, but the deal is, if you have a subway station on line one, two line two extension known as line three or <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. or whatever, guess what's next to it? A hundred meter tall condo. Understandable. Several. And a grocery store. <gasps> so just simply by virtue of building taller, you can get so many more people onto your train. So uh-huh. you should do more than five over ones. Like, you can do a density gradient, but with a transit station, right? Yeah. So, like, immediately next to the transit station, you have, like, four 100-meter-tall condos. And then outside that, you have some high-rises and with, like, stuff on the ground floors. And then you slope down until you're at, like, 
whatever your row houses. Yeah, your like baseline <laughs> suburban density. That that'd be a nice skyline. So these <laughs> like mini these mini town centers around your around your transit stations are a good, healthy, and normal place to Don't put tall buildings. Don't be afraid buildings. to build a tall building. Tall buildings are good and cool. Like it's not like we're building a hundred meter tall condo in the middle of single family suburbia, like apparently everybody's afraid of. We're building <laughs> it based. in a dense and busy area. Builders Remedy is going to have that happen in California. You just watch. Um, <laughs> California zoning be like, well. So any okay, that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Out of the list. Anyway, build tall buildings, build good Todd, and build it everywhere that there is transit. It doesn't have to be rapid transit, although that is preferable. For example, every single suburban UTA track station. Like, literally all of them. Every single suburban station of any description, period, anywhere. Yep. It's not hard, guys. It's really May- just Maybe not take hard. the extra lane you already have next to your transit station for the parking lot and the field and put things on it. Yes. Like, you already have the land. Just build things on it. And Make more money. Live better. Yeah. Also, Man, that's a nice part. save Boise Farms. Yeah. yeah. Boise. Boise. Boise, you communist. (sighs) Years of saying it incorrectly. (laughs) I can't change that fast. No, it's okay. I don't hate you that much. Boise. 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 Boise, Idaho. Hashtag save Boise Farms. Hashtag save Boise Farms. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that is the Todd. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to pull up our patients. What a good, what a good, good, sir. It's a good episode. I like Todd. Um, Our good friend, Todd. So, please remember to like and subscribe as well as leave a comment on YouTube and to follow us and leave a rating on iTunes and Spotify. You should also follow us on Twitter where I have actually been not doing very much lately, but I normally post some pretty good stuff, so you should go there as well. Uh, Subcheck, what size of stadium can we fill? Um, We can (laughs) fill the smallest room at the complex. Cool. Yeah. No, we should do lecture hall check. <gasps> lecture hall check. We can fill. Um, oh, I don't know seat counts. Maybe one the of the social, web ones. The the one in the. Um, That's bad. In the College of Social Sciences building has two hundred twenty-five. We can almost fill that. We have one hundred ninety-six. Hey. <laughs> so there you go. Maybe next week. Maybe next week we'll fill it. Maybe by the time this episode gets published in like three weeks. Yeah. When theoretically. We'll maybe have put out a video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. Are we almost at a year? We are almost at a year. December this is 7th, I December think? Sev- December 7th. No, it's sooner than November. No. Yeah, it's November. December 7th. When did we ninth, actually put uh, out our first episode? 2021. Yeah. A date. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> yeah, when did we actually put out our Let's actual see. first uh, episode? I, I was going by, like, the date that I created the channel. Oh, I was going to the, the first episode. Ten months ago. Oh, okay. Uh, what's the date? So that's uh, 8 December. December 8th. December 8th, 2021. A day which will live in fame? I don't know. Infamy. Infamy, sure. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, we're almost at a year. And we're going to, by the end of this first year, we'll have got out, like, 26 episodes. So we will have, theoretically, done an episode every two weeks. On average. <laughs> On average. average. <laughs> the, the uh, 17th of November is when we created the YouTube channel. So we're getting close. Yeah. We're close. Here. Yeah. Happy YouTube cake day coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> Do we get a plaque for that? No. <laughs> Darn it. We can make a plaque. We'll make a plaque. Ah, uh, yes. We can make a post. Yeah, I think we might be the most successful podcast ever recorded in this studio. And, like, the, the only one. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they should have, like, a board outside where Certainly we can post Certainly the longest running. <laughs> yeah. Longest running. I would bet on that. Like, know. all the other university, like, produced podcasts I've seen go to, like, five, ten episodes and die. See, so. uh, yeah. I, I want to try and convince the library to make a nicer well, like, the room's nice. Get, like, nicer equipment. Yeah. Like that, a that's proper a $60 microphone in a room that costs <laughs> how much? I don't know, $20,000 probably. Yeah. Like, put some, like, $200 microphones in here. For a foul one year, get a nice mixer, get a nice nice yeah, microphone. Yeah. Yeah. A microphone each would That'd be, be cool. lovely. A microphone each would yeah. be absolutely we wonderful. buy some microphones. We have patron money. Yeah, but Okay, but the sound quality here is good enough. Yeah, but then we could have three microphones. We could film ourselves and be cool. What are we, Tom Scott and his friends? Yes. I like Tom Scott and his friends. I like Tom Scott and his friends, too. Toast. 
Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's enough blathering from us. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, do all the things that I said before. Like, subscribe, comment, follow. Ride a bike. Rating, ride a bike, Become ride a property a developer. Build TOD. <laughs> yeah, build a Todd. Yeah. Um, advocate for a Todd. Start a housing co-op in a Todd. Yes. Mm. Um, oh, also, I wanted to say thank you because we now have almost 200 subscribers and, like, 8,000 views, which is a lot more than I ever expected for us. And wow. we have quite a bit of watch so, time, too. Yeah, so, <laughs> so to all of you who have listened before and are continuing to listen, thank you very much. We have... Finally figured out how to actually produce an episode every week, so this will be like mm -hmm. probably forever and every week now, and we're um, uh, yeah, uh, working excluding hard. some breaks. Unless society wants to take a total U-turn and do all the things we're saying tomorrow, we we got we, we got we, a ways yeah, to go. Yeah, we got yeah, a ways yeah. to go, and uh, we're also working hard on some video concepts, which should be out soon. Yeah, when so. are we filming? TBD. So, thank Camera. you for listening. Uh, our patrons at Frontrunner Tier, $10, are Curtis Herring, Mike Christensen, and Phobos2390. At Redline Tier, $5, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, Jacob Whitecotton, Robert P. Walsh. And at Blue Line Tier, at $3, we have Ben Busath, DJ Will Watkins, Hi Will, Ethan McDonald, and Martin Hawker Martinez. Thank you all very much for your support, and thank you for listening to the Redline Podcast. Yeah. <laughs>